Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Cool. Um, we are going to, uh, we're, this is the last in our uh, series on our, our core values of our church. And the reason why we showed you that bumper and what we're talking about today is uh, we've been through all the purposes. Sorry, I missed a couple of those. My family was having an undisclosed illness. Um, <laughs> but today we're going to talk about the source of the power to fulfill all those purposes. And that, that source is the resurrection. And that's, uh, you know, we spent a lot, believe it or not, you know, that, that little G, that's a really simple thing. But we, took a, we spent a lot of time um, coming up with that. And we're, the reason why we ended up with that was because we wanted something that when you looked at it, that, that circle is representative of, of the stone that was rolled away. And that is the source of the power for our church, for us to live our lives, for us to fulfill all the purposes that God has given us as a church. And so today we're going to talk about how can you experience that in your life and how can we continue to see that in the life of our church. And so we're going to begin in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7. Uh, that's where we're going to start. We're going to go through verse 11. And if you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there are a couple things I want to kind of talk about first, and one, one is this. You know, God's power is at work in the world all the time. God works through people that, that um, love him, that are committed to him, and that are uh, followers of Christ. And God also works through people that you would never think. If you read through the scripture, you'll see that God used and worked through some of the most evil people in the world. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was an evil king that we're going to talk about later on. And God worked through him. God granted him victory over the nation of Judah, which was, the, there were two tribes of Israel at that time, or the 11 tribes and then the nation of Judah. There were two nations. And God gave him victory over Jerusalem and allowed the children of Israel to be put into captivity. And the reason for that is because God would rather see um, his people in captivity of a pagan king rather than bringing shame to his name by the ways that they lived. And that brings us to what is really the most, when you think about God, there is one particular attribute of God's that is the overwhelming attribute. And if you were to go out and ask people in the world, most people say, well, love, you know, God's love. And that, that is true. The Bible says God is love. 
but the most the overarching attribute that is over everything when it comes to God is holiness. And that's why God would allow his people to be placed into captivity. That's why God chose to send his son to die on the cross. It's because of his holiness. You know, God's always loved his people. But in the Old Testament, when he was giving the, the, the commandments to Moses on the mountain, he told Moses, he said, now, you tell them they're going to come see my glory, but you tell them to keep a distance. Because if they get too close, because of his holiness, he would have had to have given them what was justly theirs for their sins. Okay? So he said, tell them to keep a distance. And, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the, well, you know, God is love. And that is absolutely true, but it is a holy love. And we can't ever forget that. And when we look and we want to know how do we experience the power of God, I want to look at three main things today. Number one is you must know Jesus. You have to know Jesus. Now, God can use anybody for anything. God even spoke through a donkey one time. Okay? So God can speak to whoever he chooses. He can use whoever he chooses. He can show his power wherever he chooses. But if you want to be one of those that not only gets to be used by God to further his kingdom, but you want to see that power in your life, the number one thing is, the first thing is you got to know Jesus. There's no way around that. Okay? you got to know him. Paul talks about that. When he says that everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, he had a lot to set aside. He was well-known in Israel. He was a teacher of teachers. He had risen to the, to the top of the ranks of Pharisees. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Okay, He had a lot to lose. And yet he recognized, you know what? All that stuff was worthless. And there were things that came along with that. There was salary, there was money, there was prestige, there was respect. And he recognized that all those things are nothing. They're worthless when compared to knowing Christ. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. And you know what? Here's the thing about knowing Jesus. And some of you right now, you don't know him. At the end of the service, before we're done here, we're going to give you the opportunity to meet him, to know him. But for those of us who do, here's part of the deal. You don't just get to come try out Jesus. I remember a guy brought somebody to me one time, and he'd been working on him, and, you know, he'd been talking to him, and the guy finally, you know, said, okay, you know, and he came to me, and he said, hey, here's my friend. And he said, I said, what is it you want? He said, well, I'm willing to, to try Jesus. And I'm like, sorry, I can't help you. Because you don't get to come try Jesus. You don't get to come, hey, I want part of, I want, you know, I want to be saved, but I want to keep doing my life. That ain't how it works. When you come, you throw everything to the side. You lay everything down and you come to him, said, here I am. And you come to Christ. Because you've got to come to that point where you recognize that everything else is of little or no worth when it comes to knowing Christ. And you got to come to him, lay everything down. You got to turn from your sin, you got to repent, and you got to come to Christ and say, Here, I'm yours. So I've discarded everything, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ 
and become one with him. You see, that's one of the miracles of, of when we come to know Christ is we enter into this relationship that allows us access into the throne room of God. We can enter into his throne room of grace for help in times of need. We, we now, we can call ourselves by the name of Christ. We are now Christians. I'm a follower. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a child of God. And you'll hear people all the time saying, well, we're all God's children. We're not. We're all God's creation, but you don't become his child until you're adopted into his family through a relationship with Jesus. That's when you become part of God's family. And before that, God loves you, but it's a holy love. You know, if you're trying to understand what that is, I'm going to give you the best example I know of from life. <clears throat> My daughter, I'm about to be a grandfather. And I know some of y'all are thinking, no way is he old enough to be a grandfather. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? That wasn't funny. <laughs> but I'm about to be a grandfather. And you know what? I'm excited about it. And, and I, I, I took... I love babies, and I can't wait to be able to hold another baby and then hand them back when things need to be fixed. And with all three of my kids, there was a time, you know, where they get, why do they always get sick in the middle of the night? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you go in there, every, every one of them, we had some, some instances where you'd go in there, and they would have thrown up all over the bed, and they're, ah, they don't feel good, and they're like, hold me, hold me, and I'm like, No. In that moment, I loved them, but it was with a holy love. Because here's the deal. I didn't love them any less, but I'm like, no, you ain't getting that all over me. So we're going to go fix this first. We're going to clean you up. Maybe we're just going to call mama. I don't know. But anyhow, look, God loves us. He created you. But he's also holy. And being holy means sin's not allowed in his presence because of his holiness. And so something had to happen so that we could go from watching God from afar to having this relationship that we didn't earn, but that Jesus earned for us. You know, and once you come to know Christ, once you've, you've come to that place and you begin a relationship with him, you, you all of a sudden have access to him. And not only that, like it says in John 15, he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you'll be, you'll be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love to lay down one's life for one's friends. Listen to this. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I've told you everything the Father told me, we're friends with God because of what Jesus did for us. We are sons and daughters of God once we know Jesus because of what Jesus did for us. And you cannot experience the power of God in your life to the full till you know him. Now, some of you may have testimony where you believe God preserved you or did something even before you 
came to a relationship with him. And, and I do believe those things are true, can be true. But you'll never fully know God's power until you know him. And that's when not only do you get to see God working in your life, you get to see God working through your life. And you get to see the results and, and experience some of the blessings of that. There is nothing like being used by God. And there's nothing like seeing God's power when you know him. So here's the first part. You got to know him. The second part is you have to be holy. Okay? And here's the deal. Paul talks about it. You, you can't do that on your own. Paul said, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. You want to know why? Because that's never good enough. No matter how good you think you are, it's never perfect, is it? You can't be perfect. You can't be without sin on your own. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through the law, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. You see, there's a difference between standing up, looking at a mountain, and seeing the glory of God revealed. And then later on in the New Testament, when God's power was manifested through people. You know, Peter came up to people at different times and said, hey, I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but what I have I give to you, rise up and walk. And he healed through the power of God. Saw people healed. Saw miracles. Paul was bitten by snakes and lived. Suffered shipwrecks and lived. There were times people would come out and start calling the disciples gods, and you know what they would always say? No, 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 no. Y'all got this wrong. It's not that we could have done any of this. It's because of the power of God that is in us because of our relationship with him. And then you say, you can have that same power. You can know God. They would always give glory to God. You know, as we've gone through and tried to live out the principles of our church, you know, that everyone matters, that lost ones, you know, find, saved ones finds lost ones, that, you know, everyone gives, everyone serves. We don't try to do that on our own power. And God has used that. You know what? Here's part of the, one of the ways that we try to show that. It's when we go out in the community and we do an outreach or, or we go out and reach out to people, we don't ever tell them, hey, just, we just wanted to show you that Greenwood Baptist Church loves you. We don't ever tell people that. You know what we tell them? We just wanted you to know that God loves you. See, we're not interested in building a little K kingdom. We're not interested in, in promoting Greenwood Baptist Church to all the world. We're not interested in that. Now, we want you to bring people here. Yeah, we want you to tell people about our church. We want, to hit, we want them to hear something, hear the gospel. But what we promote is a big K kingdom. And that is, we want you to know God. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to know the power that comes through him. And because I believe we've, we've held true to that commitment of trying to build that big K kingdom, Guess what? God's blessed us with people that we've never even met. People come here that we've never talked to. Because we've been 
faithful in, in trying to uh, show people that giving back to God what is His is a way to honor Him and a way to bring glory to His name, not to our church. God has rewarded us and, and given us financial means. You know, I told you all a few weeks ago that we ended up last year over $400,000 to the good. Well, guess what happened this week? We got gifts in one day that totaled almost an additional quarter of a million dollars. Now, guess why God's blessing us with that? It's because something's coming that we're going to need to use that for. God didn't give us that money so we could like, oh, we got a lot of money in our bank account, blah, 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 blah. I don't care a lick about that. Do you know what? If I knew that Jesus was coming back on such and such a day, which nobody knows, but my goal would be to, that the day Jesus came back, our bank account would hit zero because we'd spend every dime trying to reach people for Christ and trying to minister to his people. That's what we're about. We're not trying to make money. God gives us money as a tool to be able to reach more people. And so that's what that money, that's the, the blessing that comes in that is, is all right, we got to get ready for what God wants to do and what he's going to do down the road. God's done miraculous things in this church. I've told you all, you know what? I spent the first five years I was here trying to figure out how to move this church somewhere where people could find us. In my mind, I, the first five years I thought, man, there, there's, why we are out in the middle of nowhere. Y'all know that. Y'all drove here. We ain't on the way to anywhere. We're not near anything. I mean, there's the fire station. That's it. And nobody goes, visits the fire station very often. People don't drive by here that much. So I spent the first five years trying to figure out, we got to get over yonder or somewhere where people can see us and know we're there. And so finally, I gave up on that. And God said, hey, if you just look, I'm sending you people. In the last week or so, last week, we had, what was it? It was like 1,200 people that attended one of our services, either on person or online. And almost 900 of those came in person. I'm amazed y'all found us. I really am. But you know what? We've stopped worrying about those kind of worldly things and decided to rely on the power of God. We're going to stay right here. Hey, if y'all can find us, other people can too. And y'all can help them find us because y'all know how to get here, whether it was your first time or not. We rely on the power of God. And so here's the deal. The more we do that, the more God blesses. The more we honor God with what we say, and I, I want to tell you, it's not, it ain't because of me. It's not because of our worship team. It's not because we have better buildings or obviously not a better location. It's because of the power of God. We give all the glory and honor to him. And when you do that, you get to see God do things that you never thought you'd see. That's one of the things I love about our church is we're Man, whenever we come up with something, hey, we want to try this. We know we can't do it, but God can. Everybody's like, all right, let's do it. It's a blessing. And that's how God uses a church. But here's the deal. 
I know you're thinking in your personal life, well, what do you mean I got to be holy? You can't get there on your own, okay? Paul realized he couldn't get there on their own. In Romans 5, 1 and 2, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Here's the thing. When you know Jesus, here's the awesome part. You've been declared righteous by God. You have access into the throne room of grace. You have God's power within you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. I want to correct something. There, there, it's one of the differences we might have with some churches. You'll hear about this thing called the baptism of the Spirit. There's no such thing in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible's really clear. It says if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't have Christ. So once you have Jesus, once you have a relationship with him, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit right then. That's not something that happens later on. It happens the moment you come to know Jesus. Christ takes up residence in your life. You have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. And that word in the Greek, it's not a one-time thing. It's keep being filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. It's like water. If I told you, hey, you need to drink a certain amount of water, you don't just go out and, okay, I drank a gallon of water. I'm good for a month, do you? You get filled with water every day. You need, And if you don't, go three days without water. See how that works out for you. It's a constant thing. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is constant too. It's a constant emptying out. Today, God, what do you want for me today? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? God, fill me with your Spirit. It's an emptying out every day and being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. That's what it means. But you already have the power of God in you. Being filled with the power of God means that every day you choose to serve Him. You choose to live for Him. When you were slaves to sin, in Romans 6.20, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin. When you come to know Christ, you set free. You were a slave to sin. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus told us that. But once you know Jesus, you've been set free for that. You don't have to sin anymore. You're free from it. You are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So God sets you free through Jesus to be able to live a life that pleases and honors him. You've been declared righteous. You've been declared good in good standing with God, because of Jesus. So you have everything you need to live in God's power. But now here's the next part. You really want to see God's power not only in the things you do, because God can use anybody. 
But if you want to see God do supernatural things in your life, you don't just have to be holy. You are holy because of what Jesus did for you, but you also have to live holy. Ah, that's where the rubber meets the road right there, ain't it? That's where it gets real. I, I, I like that. Because you know what? Anybody with any sense at all goes, live holy. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. So what does that look like? Now, number one, Jesus gave you standing before God. What does it mean to live? What does it look like to live holy? Because I, I doubt there's anybody here who's like, oh, yeah, my life's holy. You can look at it all you want. It's holy, holy, holy. I, I, I bet not one of you in here, me included, would say, oh, that's me. But what does it look like to live in holiness? It's a requirement. Number one, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, God's will for you is to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So what does living a holy life look like? All right. If you ever went to church when you were a kid, whether it was you know, a few times or you, you grew up going all the time or whatever, or if you ever went to a vacation Bible school or whatever, you know, when I was a kid, we'd have flannel graphs. How many of y'all remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Anybody? Y'all remember that story? All right, they got, you know, they refused to bow down and got thrown into a furnace and they came out without being burned. You, you remember that story? Well, I'm going to go back a little bit. I want you to see how they got to that spot where God's power was manifested and delivered them from the furnace. In Daniel chapter 1, here's what happens. God used King Nebuchadnezzar to discipline the nation of Judah. He goes and he, he defeats, the Bible says God gave him victory over Judah. And everyone was taken captive back to Babylon. And so the king says, hey, you know what? I want you to take the very best and brightest out of the nation of Israel, from their noble families, from their best. I want you to bring them in here, these young men, I want you to, they're going to eat from my table, they're going to drink my wine, and I want you to teach them about wisdom and literature and so that they can be counselors, they can be service, servants in the government. And so there's four guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and they're, they're in there. They're one of the ones that are chosen. But here's what they said. They went and told the guy who was head of it, said, hey, they made a decision in their hearts not to be defiled by the king's table. Now, let me tell you what the deal was. The king's table would have had all kinds of food, including several kinds of food that they were prohibited from eating because of the Old Testament law. Now, in the, in the New Covenant, you know, God told Peter, hey, nothing's unclean, eat, eat all of it. So we can eat any of those foods. But during that time, it was prohibited. Now, looking back, you're like, well, then what was, you know, what was really the big deal about not eating these kinds of food? There were certain kinds of food they couldn't eat. They, weren't, um, they chose not to drink of the king's wine either. Here's why that was important. 
was because God gave them some of those laws about what they could eat and what they could not eat, about how they were to live, so that they would be marked to the world as being his. That was the purpose of it. And so now, if you're looking at it from their point of view, I bet it would have been easy. Well, you know what, man? I mean, we're slaves. This is the culture we live in. It's just some food. What's the big deal? I mean, we can just drink a little bit of wine, but not so much that we get drunk. I mean, why can't we just, you know, go along to get along? But here's the problem with that. The Bible said for a Jew to eat some of those foods was to be defiled by them, to be unclean. They were declared by God to be unclean for them to take in. And so these four guys determined that they were going to be marked by God even though they were in a place of slavery. Even though they didn't have all the choices about what they were going to do, they determined that they were not going to be defiled. Now, you know what the difference between those four guys and unfortunately too many believers today is too many believers today are trying to figure out, well, how close could we get? What are those things on the table could we eat? How much could we do without it, you know, really being defiled? But you know what they looked at? They said, man, that, that table, I don't want anything to do with it. God told them not to eat that because he wanted them to be marked as belonging to him. And so here's what it looks like to live a life of holiness in this day and age. It means that we live life in such a way that we are marked by the glory and the power of God. It means that the people around us that we are closest to shouldn't have to ask who we belong to. It means that if you had to tell the people that you work with and that you're around, hey, I'm a Christian, and they go, what? Mind blown. No idea. Something is wrong. We spend more time as believers trying to figure out what could I do and how close can I get to that line without going over it when we ought to be saying, there's the line. I'm going to get as far away from it as I can. The reason the world doesn't listen to the church is because, you know what? All the power's there for us to have. It's all there in the Holy Spirit. But the bottom line is, too many in the church don't look any different than the rest of the world. So they don't know who we belong to. And when they don't know who we belong to, guess what? We miss out on the power of God. You know what the Bible says that he did for those guys as they're studying? It says that God gave them a supernatural ability to know wisdom and literature. And so later on when God brought all those guys in, lots of them were from the kingdom of Judah. 
There were other Jews in there. It only tells us four of them chose not to be defiled. Only four of them chose to live in holiness. Only four of them said, you know what? I don't get what maybe why all these laws are the way they are, but that's what God said, and so I'm going to follow them no matter what. And you know what God said when he brought them all in? He interviewed them. The, the, the king interviewed them and found out what they were like. Those four guys stuck out. And he gave them positions over all the others. And then later on, when they wouldn't bow to their God, to Nebuchadnezzar's God, you see, that's the thing. If you choose to compromise in the little things, Someday you're going to bow. The only ones that didn't bow before the golden statue, there were other Jews there. There were others who were God's people. But you know what? They'd already compromised, so what was one more step? But the ones who'd said, I'm not compromising, and who had more to lose than the rest of them, you know what they told King Nebuchadnezzar? They said, our God is able to deliver us from your hand and from this furnace. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to your God. And God watched as they were thrown into the furnace. He didn't save them from the furnace, but he saved them from being harmed. And when they walked out, they were amazed. Because the only thing that was burned were the ropes that were around their hands and their feet and they didn't even smell like smoke. King Nebuchadnezzar gave glory to God and made a proclamation across all the land that no one could say anything about these men's God because there is no other God that can save like he can. And it started because they were committed to living a holy life. And you know what? Here's the deal. There were a lot of other young men that were plucked out of Judah and in that same situation. And you've never heard their name and neither have I. Because they chose to go along to get along. Holiness looks this way. It's, live, it's living your life in such a way that it honors and glorifies God. Even in the things you don't understand. You know, there are commands in here that I don't get sometimes. I'm like, I don't understand why that's important, but God put it in his word. There are commands in here that I wish they weren't in here. I wish there was something in here that says, Thou shalt not sin, except thou might, mightest speed if thou wisheth to. I wish that was in here. <laughs> but it's not in here. I wish there was something in here that said, turn the other cheek unless they you know, say something about your mom and then you can smack them or whatever. I wish there was something in there like that, but there's not. And so here's the choice you've got to make. It's whether you understand it all or whether you think it's that important or not, are you going to live a life that is marked 
by the power and the presence of God. And it starts in the little things. The world's always going to try to get you. Hey, look how good this is. I mean, did that not sound, hey, go eat from the king's table. That sounds good. That sounds like some good eating, doesn't it? But they chose not to be defiled. And in the end, they saw God's power in ways that few ever will. And it's because their lives were marked by holiness. Now, it didn't mean they were perfect. They were not without sin. But they were committed to living for him. You want to experience God's power in your life? That's what it looks like. It's not going to look like you're perfect because you're not. But guess what? When you fail, you get up and you, and you go on. Paul says this, right after those verses in 1 Corinthians I read to you. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. I don't say that either. I had not achieved them. Or that I've already reached perfection. I hadn't, I'm a long ways from it. But here's what he says. He doesn't say, I'm perfect now. He doesn't say, I don't mess up now. He doesn't say, hey, I've got this holiness thing. But here's what he says. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could live like hell here on earth. He died on the cross to save you from hell and so that you could live in such a way that brings glory to his name here on this earth. And you know what Paul said? I mess up. I blow it. But I press on. You see, the problem is some Christians have waved the white flag of surrender. I, I just, I can't do it. I mean, I can't, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't be holy. I can't beat this sin. I can't do that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You know what Paul said? I press on. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Here's, something, here's a word for some of y'all. Forgetting the past. Forget about what happened yesterday or last night or whenever. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So here's the thing. I'm not asking you about what lies ahead, lies behind, excuse me. I'm asking you, are you willing to press on? Are you willing to push on? And some of you are like, oh, dude, I got so many things. I wouldn't even know where to start. Then why don't you ask God, God, where do you want me to start? What do you want me to work on first? Are you willing to press on? I'm not asking if you've been perfect. I don't care what sins you've committed yesterday or last year, 10 years ago or whatever. The only question that matters right now is, number one, do you know Jesus? If you do, then you've been declared righteous. And number three, are you willing to live righteous? Are you willing to press on right now? That's all that matters. I press on. Are you willing to press on? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please?
For those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus, hey, I went, I explained at length about what it means to have a relationship with him, and here's how you get one. is Number one, you've got to admit you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number two, you've got to believe that Jesus is God's son. He wasn't just some man. He was God's son. Born to a virgin by the Holy Spirit of God. He lived a life without sin. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And he rose on the third day to give us power for this life. So you got to believe that. And then the last thing is you got to confess him as Lord. That's part of that repentance part. You got to turn away from the way you've been living and turn to Jesus. You got to confess him as Lord. If, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't know, is it really that easy? I don't know if it's easy, but it's simple. And the reason that it's simple is because Jesus did the work. He lived a life without sin, and he, did, he died a death that he didn't deserve so that he could die in your place. So no, it was not easy. But yes, it is simple. So if that's you, if, if you'd like to know Jesus, if you'd like to be set free from the power of sin, I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. So you can just pray this after me, or pray it in your own words. Pray it in your heart. God will hear you either way. But pray it with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Change me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day to give me life. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer day and you meant it, here's all, here's all I want you to do right now. I just want you to look up at me. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. You don't have to say anything. I just want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. You prayed that prayer day and you meant it. You look up at me right now. Okay? All right. Here's what I'm going to do. In just a minute, I'm going to close this service out. But I want to encourage you to tell someone. John will be here at the service. He's going to dismiss us in prayer in a few minutes. If you want to come talk to someone right now, he'll be right here at the front. We'd love to talk to you about your decision. If you'd rather do it some other time, you can text. There's a number on the screen. Just text, I did it, to that number, and we'll get back with you and set up a time, if you'd like, either in, on the phone or in person to answer any questions you might have and also to talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. There's also connection cards in the, uh, a lot of the pews right in front of you. You can fill one of those out. You can drop it in one of the offering boxes. There's one by every door on your way out. And we'd love to get in touch with you 
and talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus moving forward. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for each of us that God would help us to live a life that is marked by His name, by His power, that people would know that we belong to Him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your mercy, your love, and your holiness. And God, even the idea of trying to live in holiness sounds daunting. But Father, help us, Lord, to live in such a way that we glorify your name and we honor Jesus by our decisions, by our choices, by our life. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, for your love, and most of all, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.